BCER3. The length of that gene helps determine if you're a morning person or an evening person. When I came out with the book and talked about it's okay to be a night owl and you can be a night owl and be productive, he called me up and he was like, thank God. Really kind of gave insight into when people are in different moods and how that's driven by your hormones. Sit up and then take 15 deep breaths. It's one of the most important things that you can do to start your day because I don't want you taking naps during the day. You should go to bed at your normal bedtime. Welcome to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast, where we meet the world's top experts to explore the secrets of health, mindset, longevity, and so much more. Are you ready to take charge of your existence and biohack your life? This show is for you. Please keep in mind, we're not dispensing medical advice and are not responsible for any outcomes you may experience from implementing the tactics lying herein. Welcome back to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Oh my goodness, friends. So excited about this episode. Dr. Michael Bruce is a legend in the sleep world. We actually got introduced through a mutual friend. Shout out to Adam if you're listening. And I was just so honored and so excited. Dr. Michael Bruce's work is incredible. And on top of that, he's just a really genuine, kind person. And reading his book, honestly blew my mind about the chronotypes and the specific timing of when to do everything that you're doing in your life. Today's conversation was a little short, so you've got to check out his books to get all of the information. And I'm super excited because he is coming back for a part two. That is actually happening next week for me recording, not for you guys listening. (laughs) So that's really exciting. And yes, I am a dolphin. I'm super curious what the majority of you guys are. Let me know in my Facebook group, IF Biohackers, Intermittent Fasting plus Real Foods plus Life. And there will be an episode giveaway for this episode in that group. Just find the pinned post and comment something that you learned or something that resonated with you. And then there will be a second giveaway on my Instagram, Melanie Avalon. Again, find the announcement post, comment something you learned or that resonated with you to enter to win something I love. The show notes for today's episode will be at melanieavalon.com slash win, W-H-E-N. Those show notes will have a full transcript, so definitely check that out. If you are enjoying the show, it would mean the absolute world, world, world if you could subscribe in iTunes and leave a brief iTunes review. It helps so much more than most people realize, so thank you so much in advance for that. I have a very exciting announcement, friends. I have officially launched a TikTok channel. I've been on Instagram for a while, but it is time for TikTok. And with the channel, I'm going to be posting daily, very high quality, awesome biohacking content, tips and tricks, things from my life. And I really want to bring the glam to biohacking because I feel like biohacking can be very male-centric or focused on a certain type of person. And I just want to break that stereotype and bring all the sparkles. So please join me there. My handle is Melanie Avalon official. Please let me know what you'd like to see from me, what you think of the content. I do feel pretty shy about it. So please join me so that we can be friends and just go on the most epic biohacking adventure. Okay, friends, spirulina update. It is still coming. I know it's been taking a while. It's just because I want to make the most ideal spirulina tablets on the market, ones that are tested for purity and potency and to be free of all pesticides and just the highest quality. So we've got that spirulina source. It tastes awesome. The issue we're experiencing is that in order to make it into tablets, it requires another ingredient. If you are currently taking spirulina tablets and they say they are one ingredient, 
they are not one ingredient, there is something in there that is helping to keep that structure. So we're trying to figure out which route to go with this. It's really fun because I keep trying different samples. I think I know which one I like the most, but we'll see which one I end up picking. Either way, I really love the taste of our spirulina. It doesn't taste fishy or algae and I really experienced the benefits. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, you can get my other Avalon X supplements at avalonx.us. Friends, have you jumped on the serapeptase bandwagon yet? That's what I launched with. And to this day, it continues to be my most favorite supplement ever. It's a proteolytic enzyme created by the Japanese silkworm. When you take it in the fasted state, it actually breaks down non-living problematic proteins in your body. So it can help address an array of issues. Like I said, it will clear your sinuses, calm inflammation, it may help reduce cholesterol. Studies have shown it can break down amyloid plaque. It can help alleviate pain and so much more. I take it daily. It is one of the most important supplements in my arsenal. This is the new year. Start it off right. Get some serapeptase. You can get 10% off with the coupon code MELANIEAVALON, as well as a 20% off code when you text AVALONX to 877-861-8318. That's AVALONX to 877-861-8318. Those codes will also work with my fantastic partner, MD Logic Health. For that, go to melanieavalon.com slash mdlogic. And of course, all of my supplements I formulated to be the very best on the market. They're tested multiple times for heavy metals and mold. They're free of all common allergens as well as problematic fillers, which goes back to that whole spirulina formulation issue I was talking about. They come in glass bottles to help prevent leaching of plastics into ourselves and the environment. And we even use the minimal amount of stickiness required for the labels to help with our environmental impact. To get these fantastic products, go to avalonx.us and definitely get on my email list so that you don't miss the Spirulina launch special. For that, go to avalonx.us slash email list. Another resource for you guys if you struggle with food sensitivities like I do, you have got to get my app, Food Sense Guide. It's a comprehensive catalog of over 300 foods for 11 potentially problematic compounds. These include things you may be reacting to, like gluten, lectins, FODMAPs, histamine, oxalates, sulfites, thiols, whether or not something is a nightshade, and so much more. It even includes autoimmune paleo AIP status. You can learn about the compounds, create your own list to share and print, and finally take charge of your food sensitivities. It is a top Apple app, often in the top 10 for the Apple food and drinks charts. And friends, get it now because I'm going to be updating it to a subscription basis soon. So you definitely want to get grandfathered in for life at one super low price. With the subscriptions, by the way, I'm going to be implementing some pretty cool features. So I need to do subscriptions to help support that. So like I said, get it now before we change to subscriptions. You can get it at melanieavalon.com slash foodsenseguide. And one more thing before we jump in. Did you know there are over a thousand compounds found in conventional skincare and makeup in the U.S. that have been banned in Europe due to their toxicity? If you are using conventional skincare and makeup, you are directly putting into your bloodstream toxic compounds, including obesogens, which can literally cause your body to store and gain weight. So if your diet's not working, you might want to think about what's happening with your skincare and makeup, as well as carcinogens linked to cancer. I'm not making this up. And just endocrine disruptors in general, which may mess with our hormones. Thankfully, there's an easy solution to this. There's a company called Beauty Counter and they were founded on a mission to change this. Every single ingredient is extensively tested to be safe for your skin so you can truly feel good about what you put on and their products really work. I am obsessed with their overnight resurfacing peel, their vitamin C serum, they have shampoo and conditioner, skincare lines for every skin type, 
and incredible makeup. It's so amazing that Tina Fey actually wore all beauty counter makeup when she hosted the Golden Globes. So yes, it is high definition camera ready. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Melanie Avalon and use the coupon code cleanforall20 to get 20% off site-wide. You can get the latest updates from me, specials, sales, samples, and so much more on my email list. That's at melanieavalon.com slash cleanbeauty. And you can join me in my Facebook group, Clean Beauty and Safe Skincare with Melanie Avalon. People share product reviews and their experiences, and I do a giveaway every single week in that group as well. And lastly, if you're thinking of making clean beauty and safe skincare a part of your future, like I have, I definitely recommend becoming a Band of Beauty member. It's sort of like the Amazon Prime for clean beauty. You get 10 percent back in product credit, free shipping on qualifying orders, and a welcome gift that is worth way more than the price of the year-long membership. It is totally completely worth it. And I'll put all this information in the show notes. An important announcement, friends. My EMF blocking products are coming. Make sure you don't miss the launch special. For that, get on my email list at melanieavalon.com slash EMF email list. EMFs are actually classified by the IARC as a group 2B, possibly carcinogenic to humans. These are such a problem. We are exposed to them through our Wi-Fi, our cell phones, our AirPods, And they are linked to so many health issues, including anxiety, migraines, headaches, even fertility issues. This is such a problem. Thankfully, you can address your EMF exposure. I'm going to help with that with my Avalon X EMF blocking product line. So again, get on my email list at melanieavalon.com slash EMF email list to check that out. All right, without further ado, please enjoy this wonderful conversation with Dr. Michael Bruce. Hi friends, welcome back to the show. I am so incredibly excited about the conversation that I am about to have. It is with a legend in the sleep world, and I really, truly mean that. I'm here with Dr. Michael Bruce. He is the author of four books, actually, The Power of When, The Sleep Doctor's Diet Plan, a book called Good Night, and a new book called Energize, Go From Dragging Ass to Kicking It in 30 Days. I'm almost overwhelmed with all of the content that we could cover in this episode. But basically, Dr. Bruce has really revolutionized the common perspective on sleep, on circadian rhythms. After reading his book, I realized just how myopic my own view was when it comes to circadian rhythms and biology and why we do what we do when and how we should do things for the best timing of everything. And then on top of that, like that's just the the sleep and the timing thing. On top of that, his new book, Energize, actually connects all of that to body types. So if you guys are familiar with endomorphs, ectomorphs, mesomorphs, the role of movement, energy, I mean, it's just an overwhelming world of information. So I'm really excited to see what we talk about on today's show. Dr. Bruce, thank you so much for being here. Oh, you're so kind. That was like the nicest introduction ever. I love it. It comes from my heart. And um, this is a fun fact. I've done, I mean, hundreds of interviews on this show. I have the most notes for this interview, I think, of any interview I've done. There was just that much information. I have like 30 pages of notes. I don't know if I can get through 30 pages. We'll see. I know. We'll just see where it goes. Maybe we'll have to do a part two. Yeah. So I bet listeners are super familiar with you. But for those who are not, I mean, 
you're everywhere. You've been on the Dr. Oz show, Oprah, CNN, The View, Anderson Cooper. You've been named the top sleep specialist in California by Reader's Digest, one of the top 10 most influential people in sleep. You're a clinical psychologist on the diplomat of the American Board of Sleep Medicine, a fellow of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. I could go on and on, but in respect of time, I will not. So to start things off, I have just so many ways I want to go with this, but little bit about your personal story. What made you so interested in sleep? Did you have just an epiphany one day? I did not. So uh, it's kind of a funny story. I, w- I had zero interest in sleep in graduate school. So I wanted to be a sports psychologist when I went to the University of Georgia. I wanted to teach athletes how to run faster and throw harder and do all those kind of fun, cool things. And um, I, was create- I created a dual degree from the Department of Clinical Psychology and the Department of Sports Psychology at the University of Georgia. And when you do a clinical psychology graduate PhD, uh, when you're done with it, you do a residency, very similar to what an MD would do, where you go someplace and kind of practice all the cool stuff that you've been learning for the last four years. I was very interested in eating disorders and athletes. And the very best residency program was at the University of Mississippi Medical Center in Jackson, Mississippi, of all places. I was interested in learning about eating disorders in athletes. That way I could combine my clinical interest with my sports interest. To be honest with you, I couldn't get in. It was the top program in the country and only the Harvards and the Yales and the Princetons of the world got in. I went to Georgia, top 20 program, but wasn't Harvard. But they had a sleep track that they were advertising for. And they said, if somebody wants to come and do a specialization in sleep, we'd be happy to take you. And so I applied for and got the sleep track because what I figured is I just transfer as soon as I got there, right? So just because you're not going to let me in the front door of your program doesn't mean that I'm not going to be in your program. It just means that I'm going to find a way to get there on my own. And so I got to the University of Mississippi, first day there, raised my hand, said, I want to transfer. And they said, hold on, Michael, you need to fill the spot. You can transfer after you've done six months. I said, okay. I went to do the transfer and By the third day, I absolutely fell in love with clinical sleep medicine, and I knew I would never change what I was doing. I, you know, I have this really unique situation. I get to help people almost instantly. It's crazy. There are some people I help in under 24 hours, in less than a week, in one week's time. Some people it takes longer, but it was really so different from my role as a clinical psychologist because doing that stuff, it could take weeks, months, even years before you see any treatment gains. I like helping people quickly and sleep really does that. And so I just kind of burrowed in and decided to become a sleep specialist. And so I did that, did the residency, completed it, then did a secondary one on neuropsychological testing. That was another area of interest and then went into the field. And so I started out as a clinical psychologist working at a sleep center. And while I was there, my boss told me, he said, Michael, by the way, we want you to take and pass the sleep medicine boards. And I raised my hand and I said, uh, Dr. D. Marini, thank you, but that's a medical board and I have a PhD. I said, I don't think I can actually do that. And he said, actually, you can. There's a two-year window where non-MDs can take the medical boards without going to medical school. And you need to take them. And by the way, Michael, if you don't pass, you're fired. And so I said, okay, no problem. So I figured I had a job for a year. There was no way I was going to take and pass the medical boards without going to medical school. Um, and I came home and I told my girlfriend, who is now my wife at the time, I was like, I was like, Lauren, I got the job. This is awesome. 
I said, you know, unfortunately, it's only going to be for a year because I have to take the medical boards. And she was like, you didn't go to medical school. How are you supposed to take the medical boards? I said, exactly. Then about a week later, we were sitting on the couch talking and she turned to me and she was like, I think you could do it. I said, what are you talking about? She said, I think you could pass the medical boards. Like, come on, who does something like that? She said, honestly, I think you could do it. And that was pretty much all it took. She challenged me and I took one year and I studied. There were 14 or 15 different textbooks. And so I taught myself neuroanatomy, neurochemistry, neurophysiology, pediatrics, general medicine. And I'm one of 168 people that have actually taken and passed the sleep medicine boards without going to medical school. And that's kind of my story. You don't have to convince me twice about the power of sleep. Like out of all the things I do, especially with this show and, you know, biohacking and health, I am obsessed with sleep. And I know like the, the extent I go to, like all the things, like the blackout curtains, the EMF canopies, the red lights. Oh, awesome. We can talk about all of that. With the canopy, I, I put it up and I read some things saying it could actually make things worse. And then I was like, oh, I don't even know. So I took it down. <laughs> but I think I became so obsessed with sleep because we can talk about the, the chronotypes that you've discovered um, or researched. I'm definitely a dolphin, the resident insomniac. I mean, it kind of forced me to deal with that. It does, doesn't it? It does. And actually recently, so this week, I've been going through a lot of stuff family-wise and I've realized I was having this actually epiphany thinking about it. I was like, it made me realize how much I value sleep because with everything that's going on, like for me to perform in life and be healthy and be able to show up, like I have to value my sleep. So I just want to thank you because before reading your book and before people are exposed to your work, I think there's this idea that there are early morning people and late night people. And then on top of that, this idea that, but really we're all morning people if we just got our act together. Right. So not true. Such a lie. Yes. It's, you know, it's, it's funny that you, you keyed in on that. You know, my um, another biohacking friend, I'm sure you know Dave Asprey. Yeah, I've had him on the show. Yeah. So Dave's a close friend. And when I came out with the book, The Power of When, and talked about it's okay to be a night owl, and there's times when you can be a night owl and be productive, he called me up and he was like, thank God somebody is talking about this because he's a night owl as well. And it was really, it was really kind of funny. And it was so funny because then he turned and he said, I want to make The Power of When required reading for all bulletproof, you know, counselors and things like that, so they can really understand. He actually had everybody at Bulletproof take the quiz. The quiz I'm talking about, if people are interested, if you go to chronoquiz.com, you can learn what your chronotype is. And we're going to talk all about chronotypes in just a second. But yeah, it was crazy that he called me up and he was like, thankfully, somebody is talking about this stuff. Hi, friends. Do you want to come hang out with me and Dave Asprey and so many other guests I've had on the show? You simply must come to the 10th annual biohacking conference, May 30th through June 1st in Dallas, Texas. And of course, I have a massive discount code for you guys. I went last year to the one in Orlando, and it was one of the most fun times of my entire life. I met and got to hang out with so many guests that I've had on the show. I met so many of you guys. And of course, there's lots of Danger Coffee and Dave Asprey approved meals and dry farm wines. And that's just the social aspect. The conference itself is mind-blowing. They have this incredible expo where they have all the biohacking supplements, all the biohacking things. You can learn about them, try samples. 
meet the creators and founders. If you haven't tried a lot of biohacking things, it's a great chance to actually try them out in person. Things like brain tap, infrared sauna, hyperbaric oxygen chambers, and so much more. There are so many incredible speakers as well. You can hear talks from people I've had on the show like Paul Saladino, Dr. Daniel Amen, Dr. Sarah Gottfried, Dr. Mercola, Dr. Annika Becca, and that is just a few of them. I seriously had the time of my life last year, and I would love to hang out with you guys. And you can get 35% off tickets. Just go to melanieavalon.com slash biohacking conference and use the coupon code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. That's melanieavalon.com slash biohacking conference with the code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. This code can be used for general admission or for VIP access. Seating is limited. They do sell out. They sold out last year. So get your ticket now. And if you come, definitely let me know because I want to meet you. So hopefully see you guys in Dallas. MelanieAvalon.com slash biohacking conference with coupon code BCMelanie. Get your tickets now. I'll see you guys there. It's so incredible because especially in the biohacking world, so many people will be like, but really, if you just did the things like you would be a morning person. And I'm like, no. It's genetic. Like it doesn't work that way. Like, look, I'm never, look, I'm five foot nine and I'm never going to dunk a basketball. It's just not in my genes to do it. Right. I'm a wolf. I have been for a very long time. I am starting to change a little bit as I get older. I'm 53 years old and my melatonin production, I keep it, I keep track of it and it's starting to change a little bit, which we can talk about as well. But this is genetics guys. Like this isn't, you can't choose to be a morning person. In fact, Lots of people have what we call lion envy, where they're like, oh, I wish I could be a lion. Michael, teach me how to be a lion. You know, those kinds of things. I'm sorry. I can, I can push you in that general direction, but it's pretty miserable, especially if you're a night owl like me. I'm full of lion envy. So I'm like, hashtag lion envy. So the chronotypes, what is the evolution of them? Like why genetically are there these four chronotypes? So it's, it's very interesting. So first of all, just to be very clear, I'm not the first person to come up with chronotypes. There was a great group of researchers back in the 70s that came up with something called the morningness, eveningness questionnaire, where they started to notice that some people seem to do better in the morning and some people seem to do better in the evening. So they, they put together a group of about 30 or 40 questions to try to kind of identify these people. That was in the 70s. And then it started to morph a little bit more in the 80s and 90s when we started to map the genome. And started to really understand, like, this is there's some interesting genetic things we had no idea about. It turns out something called the PER3 gene. Now, just to be clear, there's over, I think, 40 different chronotypical genes that can affect your chronotype. But the biggie is PER3. And what they discovered was the length of that gene, almost like a telomere, the length of that gene helps determine if you're a morning person or an evening person. So that in and of itself is irrefutable. It just is what it is. You know, like if you wanted to be a, a morning person, you can't make your PER3 gene <laughs> shorter if you wanted to. It's very interesting when you start to look at, at, at it from a genetic standpoint. What we decided then at that point was, is there must be three chronotypes. So there's the early morning, there's somebody in the middle, and then there's the night owl. Um, and that looked actually really good from a genetic standpoint, made a lot of sense. So then they kind of started to change the vernacular, and there was an early bird, there was a humming bird, that's the people in the middle, and then there was a night owl. Then I came along. (laughs) 
I had some very interesting patients that just did not fall into these categories. And that was difficult because when you, when you have somebody that you're trying to treat, it, it was tough because I just wasn't being as effective as I needed to be. So I had a, I had a patient who came in who was an insomniac. True story, she was, we tried everything. I mean, I tried cognitive behavioral therapy. I tried you know blackout curtains, masks. I mean, everything you could think of, I tried on this woman. And it was terrible. I mean, it was terrible. She just couldn't get to sleep and she slept in late. and She was falling asleep at work. And, and so I brought her back in and I was like, all right, Val, tell me what's going on. And she was like, look, Michael, if I could just sleep in a different time zone every day, I think I'd be fine. And I was like, what do you mean by that? She was like, if I could just go to bed at like one, wake up at nine and get to work by 11, like my life would be perfect. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so I said, oh, well, why don't you just do that? And she said, well, I have kids, I have spouse and I have work and all, my schedule doesn't, doesn't fit that. And I was like, okay, well, let me see if I can fix that. So I called, I asked her if I could call her boss and I did. And I talked to her boss and I said, look, I think we have an issue here. Would it be possible for her to come in at 11 and leave at like seven? And he said, honestly, Michael, I don't care when she comes in. I'm firing her at the end of the week. He said she falls asleep in meetings. Her work product is not up to par. Like, if you want to do the experiment, let's do the experiment. And this was on a Monday. I said, great. So I called her up and I said, look, you don't have to go to work until 11, but you got to stay till seven. And she was like, that sounds perfect. We talked with her husband. We said, this is going to be a one week trial. We just want to kind of see what happens. So I call back on Friday to her boss. Lo and behold, he says to me, I got three more employees I want you to talk to. Those are the first words out of his mouth. Not like she's doing amazing. He's like, I got more people for you. Turns out it was perfect for her. Her work product was improved. I mean, it was literally like you flipped a magic switch in the back of her head. She was awake at meetings. She was productive. Everything really worked well. And what I realized is that she was an extreme night owl who just could not adapt to the daily schedule. So I started to really think about it and said to myself, I wonder how many other people are out there like this person, right? And then I started to notice that her anxiety got in the way of certain things. And she would tell me things like, you know, I just can't seem to get things done. I feel like I'm a little bit on the OCD side. And I started to really try to understand who she was. She was my first dolphin, basically. Right? So she didn't fall into the early bird, she didn't fall into the night owl, and she didn't fall into the hummingbird. So then I started to dig into the genetics of it all, and I actually found a genetic polymorphism called a single nucleotide polymorphism, or what we call a SNP, that actually identified her. And there's a lot of people with this, with this polymorphism. And so I was like, holy crap, I think I found another chronotype. And so now I have this fourth chronotype. Now, it's kind of interesting. I decided I wanted to write a book and tell the world about this whole chronotype thing. When you're in the marketing meeting for a book and you're trying to discover what to call these different avatars, if you will, here's what's interesting. I decided to use animals and we learned very quickly, nobody wants to be a porcupine. Nobody wants to be a platypus, you know? And so what I was doing was I was trying to find animals that actually represented the chronotypes that they would be. So lions represent early birds. And so lions actually get up before dawn. They have their first kill before dawn and they have a lot of the lion-esque characteristics. Bears, uh, by the way, lions make up about 15% of the population and everybody wants to be a lion. Just saying. I personally have no interest in being a lion. It's not that it's not as good as it sounds. Number one, you get up way too early. Number two, socially, it's not as much fun. Dinner in a movie is really tough 
for a lion because to be honest with you, they're exhausted by eight o'clock at night. Yeah, that's my dad. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a social issue. I mean, it's fun, but let me tell you something. Lions are pretty militant thinkers too. Like they go from step one to step two to step three to step four. They're really good COOs. They're good at giving people orders and thinking through complicated situations. They don't necessarily do a lot of the work itself, or maybe they did in an earlier life. But now uh, as they get older, they have a tendency to be more in management and things like that. Next, we move on to the bears. Bears make up what used to be the hummingbirds. That's actually the largest population, believe it or not, 55% of the population are bears. They're the people that get the work done. They're the people that are more uh, extroverted. They're the people that really society functions around. If you wanted to pick a chronotype to be, I'd like to be a bear more than anything else, because quite honestly, all of society is built on a bear schedule. Yeah, it's social norms. That makes sense. And then there's night owls, which I call wolves. Again, wolves are nocturnal creatures. They hunt at night. They do most of their stuff at night. So they represent evening people like myself. Night owls, we make up also about 15%. And we're weird. We're usually the weird, creative, artistic types. My artists, my actors, my musicians are usually wolves. We don't show up at the party until like 10, 30, 11, but we stay there till three o'clock in the morning and we have a lot of fun. We're very loyal friends. We really enjoy being social, but we actually are introverted. And so that's why we stay up late so that way we have small groups to be social with. We're not great in big groups, but we're really good in small groups. And what's interesting is if you just look at the lion, the bear, and the wolf, and you think back to hunter-gatherer days, these people have been around since the dawn of time, right? So if you lived in a village, the hunters were the lions. They got up before dawn. They got food for the village. The bears were the people that tended to the village, tended to the children, tended to all the things that went on in the village. Then the night owls turned out to be the security team, right? They were up anyway. They might as well do that. And so we knew about these three different chronotypes for quite some period of time. But then I introduced the dolphin idea, and that kind of threw a lot of things on people's heads. And we were able to identify dolphins make up about 10% of the population. They are a lot like lions. They like to get up early, but unfortunately, they've got just a touch of anxiety with them, almost OCD-like. And so they might make a list every day and follow it from step one to step two to step three. But if they don't go through their entire list and do it perfectly, they get upset. Whereas a lion would go through their list and say, oh, okay, well, I got some things done today. Maybe I'll get some more stuff done tomorrow, right? So dolphins have that anxiety component to them that can make it difficult. They're also usually health conscious, usually have insomnia, and they can be difficult to deal with. I really wrote the book designed for dolphins. I was very fortunate. The book came out about five years ago. It's called The Power of When. It really took off. We've sold actually over 100,000 copies of the book. It's so funny because I didn't really think it was going to become sort of a communication tool because that's what it's turned out to be. You know, I get letters and emails from people all the time and they say, I read The Power of When and now I get along with my spouse because I know when they're in a good mood and when they're in a bad mood. I know when they're going to focus or when they're going to be emotional. And so I bring up topics during those periods of time and all of a sudden we get lots of stuff done. So it was really fascinating to me. I also got letters from parents, which was really cool. Parents were like, I now know when to talk to my kid, right? So I have two almost grown teenagers, a 19-year-old and an 18-year-old. But when they were younger, if I went into my daughter's room in the morning to wake her up, 
she would say, I would say, Hey Carson, you know, what have you got on the plate today for school? And she'd be like, Oh, leave me alone. Right. If I walked into her room at five o'clock in the afternoon and I say, Hey Carson, what did you have on your plate today for school? I'm in there for 90 minutes and I get to have a relationship with my daughter. Like what's more important than that? Nothing. Right. So it really turned out to be a fascinating time to come out with a book that really kind of gave insight into when people are in different moods and how that's driven by your hormones and what that all means. And so there's over 220 studies in the book. We look at when should you drink coffee? When should you drink alcohol? When should you have sex? That's the biggest chapter everybody seems to want to know about. And, uh, you know, people are fascinated by it. And so the book was going along great. And then my friend Stacy Griffith gave me a call. We were actually in New York. Uh, whenever I'm in New York, she's the uh, founding trainer of a company called Soul Cycle. It's like an indoor bicycle, you know, spinning class type of thing. I go every time I'm in New York, I go to her class, which is lots of fun. And we have a great time. And she came up to me afterwards and she was like, Michael, she was like, I have the same problem because we, we chit chat all the time. She was like, we have a problem. Both her clients and my clients all say the same thing. They're like, why am I exhausted? Right. And it's like, I do the things that are supposed to do. I, I move the way I'm supposed to move. Why am I still tired? And so when we sat down and we thought about it, we said, well, what if we could further define chronotypes? Like maybe we're too general. Maybe we need to understand. We now understand chronotypes based on sleep, but one area we don't understand chronotypes based on is movement. And so we really started to look at the literature and, and that we did based on body type. So if people remember way back when to high school biology, you probably remembered or in physical education class, they probably said, well, there are three body types, endomorph, mesomorph, and ectomorph. Now, the good news is, is that's actually accurate. There are three body types. But what we discovered was when we asked, so about a million people have taken the quiz now. And so we sent out a, a survey to people, about 5,000 people said, hey, will you take this body type quiz? We want to see kind of how it all fans out. And what we discovered was there are certain exercises that are better for certain chronotypes based on their body types, right? So as an example, if you're a bear and you're a ectomorph, meaning that you're kind of a little bit on the heavier side, then exercise turns out to be an incredibly difficult thing for you to get motivated for. So we created exercises that don't require you to have a lot to do to motivate yourself to do them, like stretching or just bouncing up and down, doing jumping jacks, things like that. And so what we ended up doing, Stacey and I came up with, with a, a hypothesis that actually turned out to work very well. We asked people to move five times a day for five minutes a time. There's different things we ask people to do at different times. The first one is oftentimes stretching. The second one is oftentimes bouncing. The third one oftentimes is building like muscle strength. There's balance, things like that. And here's what's cool about it. You only spend five minutes, five times a day doing it, and it helps propagate energy all day long. So what it does is it keeps your body in movement, number one, which is highly important, but it's not big movements. You don't have to break a sweat in order to get the energy and motivation from it. You just have to do it for four or five minutes. So what we now have got in my new book, which is called Energize, how to go from dragging ass to kicking it in 30 days, is we've got all of the great sleep information layered on top of this body type information. So we've gone the next extra step. And now we're teaching people how to sleep and how to move. To be very honest with you, we didn't want to take on the nutrition component. It was just too hard. There's so many different ways you can look at nutrition. But 
intermittent fasting is definitely something that we know is helpful and it also gives people great energy. So we've got a full 24-hour program in Energize. So we focus in on intermittent fasting, then we do specialized movements, and then we do uh, Speaking to what you said, it was so interesting reading The Power of When because I took the quiz. I was a dolphin. Everything about the personalities and the sleep schedule really identify with me. But then getting into all the chapters about when to do the different things, that's what really sold it for me because I was like, he knows. I'd read the sex chapter and I was like, oh my gosh, like he knows. <laughs> or like when to see the therapist. So it was absolutely incredible. Super random question. Do you know, have you seen any literature on how the different chronotypes correlate to lifespan? So it's interesting. Yes, I have. And so, well, so first of all, one thing is people's chronotypes change over the course of their life. Actually, everybody goes through every single chronotype, believe it or not. But to answer your question more succinctly, we know that wolves, like me, we die early because we are big risk takers and we have a tendency to not be great on the nutrition side, not be great on the exercise side. I personally have to literally force myself to exercise every morning. Otherwise, if it goes past like noon, generally speaking, I'm done. Like I'm just not interested in exercising. So we do know that wolves are, they have more medical problems. They have shorter lifespans, more depression, more suicidality, things like that. So we're always concentrating on that area. But back to my first point, we actually move through many of the chronotypes throughout our lifespan. So if you think about it, when you're a baby, you're a lion, right? You go to bed really early and you wake up really early. When you're in middle school, grade school, you're a bear, right? Going to bed when the sun goes down, getting up when the sun comes up. Then when you're a teenager, you turn into a wolf, right? So, I mean, I don't know about you, but I could stay up until two and sleep until 12 every single day when I was like 15, 16 years old, you know? And then once you hit adulthood, you kind of lock into a chronotype. But about my age, which I'm 53, um, we start to see melatonin production begins to get earlier in the evening. We see a natural fading of melatonin production, and that can actually make people become an earlier chronotype. So as an example, I'm a wolf, but I'm finding myself starting to naturally wake up much earlier than I want to. So now I'm having to try to self-adjust my bedtime. So it's very interesting, but we all do have a tendency to go through them. Hi friends. An incredible fasting aid is coffee. Yes, I am all about the coffee. I am a huge fan of its health benefits as well as how it can support your fast and really help with energy and fat burning. And I have a big announcement. The brand of coffee that I have been drinking for an entire decade now, I am no longer drinking. There's some drama, there's some science, and I'm about to tell you how to get a discount on my new favorite coffee. So I've been drinking the coffee formerly known as Dave Asprey's Bulletproof Coffee for literally a decade. I do not drink it now, so this is not a Bulletproof Coffee commercial, but I started drinking it because I so trusted Dave and his obsession in creating mold-free coffee because moldy coffee beans is a huge problem and a lot of people can get health issues, brain fog, and crash after coffee because of the mold condition. Contamination. Dave has been talking about this for so long, so I really trusted him and I would drink Bulletproof Coffee, which I absolutely loved and loved that it was mold-free. Then there was some drama. Dave sort of got kicked out of Bulletproof. He might be going back. There's a lot of stuff going on with that. Follow him on Instagram if you want to learn more about that. He even talked about it at the recent biohacking conference. But in any case, <laughs> drama aside, he can no longer speak to Bulletproof Coffee as to whether or not it is mold-free. And he ended up making a coffee even better 
better than Bulletproof Coffee, and it is called Danger Coffee, and friends, I love it. It's the first coffee that is not only mold-free, but actually can help you remineralize. Yep, that's right. Danger Coffee contains a patent-pending formula that actually remineralizes your body with more than 50 trace minerals, nutrients, and electrolytes. On top of that, it is super clean. I know people like to see organic labels. Friends, I have learned so much about the certification industry. And honestly, the best of the best is finding people that you trust who do extensive testing and third-party certification. That's what I do with my Avalon X supplements. And that's what Dave does with Danger Coffee. So with Danger Coffee, they use a process that far exceeds government and industry standards. And it is third-party lab tested. So you can rest assured it is free of mold toxins. As for the flavor, Dave selected these hand-picked farm direct beans for their quality, their superb flavor, and their elevated performance. I love the taste of it. It's much richer and more nuanced than Bulletproof Coffee. It's honestly one of the best coffees I've ever tasted, and it's so exciting to know that when I'm drinking it, I'm actually helping to remineralize my body. So that's right. If you want your coffee to contain antioxidants, anti-inflammatories, micronutrients, and help optimize your fasting, you want Danger Coffee. And of course, I have a discount for you guys. You can go to melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee and use the coupon code melanieavalon to get 10% off. Again, that is melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee with the coupon code melanieavalon for 10% off. This is my favorite coffee. Like I said, it takes some really good coffee and convincing biohacking health reasons to break me from my 10-year decade bulletproof coffee habit but sometimes you just got to upgrade. And by the way, this would make epic presents for people. This can just become your go-to present. Not only will people love it, but you'll be helping their health as well. Everybody wins. MelanieAvalon.com slash Danger Coffee with the coupon code Danger Coffee. The thing I'm just thinking about more with all of this is like with the dolphins specifically, seemingly needing from a, like a biological perspective, like you talk about how their cortisol rhythms are different from the other chronotypes and how they like actually need less sleep than the other chronotypes. I'm just wondering what the implications are on that. Long-term. So, you know, nobody really knows what that's going to look like long, long-term, because to be honest with you, I just kind of came out with the vernacular five years ago. So people really weren't looking at this group of people. What I can tell you though is I would argue that dolphins would probably have the second shortest lifespan from the standpoint of we know they've got lots of anxiety. We know they've got lots of health-related issues. More times than not, they are an insomniac, which we know can shorten lifespan as well. Not tremendously, but a little bit. But I would say that if we were looking at who's going to die the youngest, it's probably wolves. Then it would be dolphins. Then it would be probably lions and then bears. Bears are going to be the stalwarts. They're going to last the longest, for sure. I hope they do more studies on that that SNP and the implications. Yeah, it's very interesting to kind of look at all of those data. But the Energize book is one that's kind of takes it to the next step, right? So in the first book, In Power of When, I really didn't... I mean, I did have chapters on exercise, yoga, team sports, and weightlifting, but I really wanted to get into general movement because honestly, people don't go to sleep because they want to. People go to sleep to wake up and have energy and spend time with their friends and their family, accomplish their goals. People are always looking for energy. And so I decided to kind of put it on its head a little bit and say, let's figure out how we use sleep, movement, and fasting for more energy. 
the protocol that you do prescribe for dolphins and wolves, is it prescribed to get them in line with society? Because it's still, I see the ideal schedule and it's still very early to me. (laughs) Like, is that because you're making it so that we can function in society? Like if you could pick your own schedule. It would be a little bit different depending upon your chronotype, right? So as, because let's be honest. Well, although I will tell you this, the pandemic definitely helped chronotypes and I'll explain why. This is one of the only times I think in the universe where we could say the pandemic did something good. What happened was, is people stopped going to work. People were quarantined. People were shelter in place. And guess what? You didn't have to have a two-hour morning routine. And so what ended up happening is, at least for night owls like me, we could sleep later. You know, people were rolling out of bed at eight o'clock, throwing on a ball cap and getting on Zoom, right? So that's a very different scenario than waking up at 5.45 and, you know, doing your stuff and getting in the car and driving to work and dealing with traffic. I think The pandemic may have helped some people, but yes, the book was designed to help people basically morph themselves back into general society. Although bears don't really need that problem, don't have that issue. Question, what is more important, because this is often hotly debated, when you're trying to tackle your sleep issues, when you go to bed or when you get up? When you get up, by far, it's much more important. There's two things that happen when you wake up in the morning that are critical to the overall sleep process that are biological in nature that many people don't realize. And they both have to do with melatonin. So number one, when you wake up at the exact same time or pretty damn close to it every single day, including the weekends, several things happen. When you open up your eyes and light hits your eyeball, you have a very specific cell in your eyeball called a melanopsin cell. The particular wavelength of light that's important here is blue or what we call cyan. This is from 460 nanometers to about 480 nanometers. It's present in sunlight and most forms of artificial light. When that wavelength hits your eyeball, it sends an electrical signal, chemical and electrical signal, to a specific area in your brain called your suprachiasmatic nucleus. And that sends a signal to your pineal gland that says, hey, turn off the melatonin faucet in this person's head. So to backtrack, in summary, when you wake up and you open up your peepers, When light hits them, it turns off the melatonin faucet in your brain. You want to do that very, very consistently because then all your hormones know what to do because once melatonin is turned off, everything else turns on. Adrenaline, cortisol, norepinephrine, epinephrine, serotonin, dopamine, all of those things are at lower levels or not even present during sleep because sleep is a function unto itself. But there's a more important thing that a lot of people don't know about, and that's that actually after you get the sunlight that turns off the melatonin faucet, it resets your melatonin clock. And what it does is it tells melatonin when to be produced that evening. So it's kind of like setting a timer once you wake up to know when melatonin needs to go off again. And so what ends up happening here is if you wake up at multiple different times, your brain doesn't know when to turn on melatonin at night. And so in actuality, what time you wake up 100% determines how sleepy you get, when you get sleepy, and when you'll fall asleep. So basically, regardless of the sleep situation the night before, you get a chance to reset everything the next morning. It's perfect. Now, there, is, there are some caveats here. So number one, here's the problem. Let's say you normally wake up at 6.30 every day. And let's say you decide, you know, it's Friday night, you want to go out with your friends. You tie one on and you don't get home until two o'clock in the morning. Now, the question becomes, Michael, do I need to get up at 6.30 the next day? 
The only, so the answer is yes. However, my big caveat for people is I never want people getting less than five and a half hours of sleep. When you go below five and a half hours of sleep, you really see motor function decline dramatically. And that's when people really get hurt, driving a vehicle, stumbling, exercising, what have you. So if you stayed out until two and normally you would get up at 6.30, I'd want you to get up at eight o'clock because I'd want you to get five hours of sleep in that particular scenario. But generally speaking, you're going to be dragging ass all day from doing that because I don't want you taking naps during the day. Now, don't get me wrong. Naps are fun and I, I don't have a problem with naps. But generally speaking, naps are terrible for dolphins because anybody with insomnia should never take a nap because it just lowers your sleep rate. I do not take naps. <laughs> yeah, dude, you can't take naps. You would, you would be a mess if you took a nap. So I think people can really function that way. And I think it'll work. At work, at work has a tendency to work out pretty well. So like in that case where you're sleep deprived that day and you don't take a nap, are you allowed to go to bed earlier that night? No, you shouldn't. You should go to bed at your normal bedtime. So if you normally went to bed at midnight, then you try as best you could is to stay up until midnight. Again, the, the data is very consistent. Now, one thing that people always ask me about, which I think kind of dovetails nicely with the conversation we're having, which is, hey, Michael, can I catch up on my sleep on the weekends, right? Because people are like, look, dude, I just can't go to bed at the same time or wake up at the same time during the week, and I'm going to catch up on the weekends, and it feels so much better to sleep in until 9 o'clock, okay? So let me tell you the data. There was a study that came out about six months ago, which really answers this question thoroughly. I think it was 50 people, and here's what they did. They got five hours of sleep during the week and eight hours of sleep on the weekend. So pretty extreme, five hours, below my threshold for sure. I'd have been nauseous the whole time. And here's what they measured, focus, memory, mood, and attention every single Monday for six weeks. Okay, so remember, five hours during the week, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, they get eight hours of sleep. And here's what they found is every single week, patients got worse, not better. Their memory declined, their attention declined, their focus declined, and their mood declined. But here was the most important aspect of the study, at least to me. When they interviewed the patients and they asked them how did they feel, they felt great on Mondays. They felt they had no detriments whatsoever. So here's the instance where your brain is telling you you're fine and your body is not fine. So for folks out there, I'm sorry to say, you got to sleep roughly the same amount every single night. If you have a bad night, your body will absorb it. Don't worry. Don't go to bed earlier. You're not going to fall asleep. Don't take a nap. Do yourself a favor. Stick to the schedule. You'll be pleasantly surprised at how well it works. I wonder if they had done that study where the total amount of hours equaled the equivalent of eight hours every night, if it would have been the exact same findings. So the goal was to sleep deprive people and then let them do the catch up sleep on the weekend. In my estimation, I'd rather see a study where people were getting six and a half hours because, quite frankly, that's about the average that I'm seeing out there is most people are logging in somewhere between six and a half and seven and a half hours, generally speaking, during the week. And then they're logging in somewhere between seven and a half and nine on the weekends. And, and most people try to catch up on the weekends. But again, it just doesn't work very well from a biology standpoint. You kind of dismantle the idea of coffee in the morning. What are your thoughts on caffeine and coffee? So here's the thing. Caffeine has no nutritional value whatsoever. 
Nobody needs to have it in their diet. It's not a necessary thing. Yet, it is the single most abused substance in the world. More people abuse caffeine than any other substance out there. So the question is, why? What good does it really do for us? Here's the deal. In order to exit a state of unconsciousness, you need two hormones in large amounts. You need adrenaline and cortisol. When adrenaline and cortisol wake you up in the morning and you've got adrenaline running around your brain and cortisol running around your brain, if you compared adrenaline and cortisol to caffeine, it would be like comparing cocaine to weak tea in terms of how powerful it is. So what happens is, is people say, oh my gosh, I'm so exhausted. I'm going to drink my cup of coffee. In truth, what they really are is dehydrated. Most people don't know it, but you lose a full liter of water every night just from the humidity in your breath and the sweat and oils from your skin. So, and remember, caffeine is also a diuretic. So when you do drink that coffee first thing in the morning, all you're doing, number one, you're not getting the benefits of the energy of caffeine because you've already got something that's far more energetic in your brain. So you're really getting the side effects, number one. Number two, caffeine's a diuretic, so it makes you pee. So you've already dehydrated. Now you drink caffeine and get more dehydrated. What do you need to do? You need to drink water. Like this isn't rocket science here. I tell people every morning they do three 15s. Take 15 deep breaths. What you do is when you wake up, sit on the side of your bed. Don't lie down. Sit up and then take 15 deep breaths. Wake up your respiratory system and become present. It's one of the most important things that you can do to start your day. Have yourself a good intention like today I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm grateful for X, Y, and Z and get yourself moving. Second 15 is drink 15 ounces of water. Should be sitting by your bedside. You should have it there the night before. And if you can, grab that water and walk outside and get 15 minutes of sunshine. Remember, we were talking before about blue light. The best source of blue light is the sun. And we love it in the morning time. In fact, there's even data to show that if you wake up before the sun comes up, it's really good to watch the sunrise because it comes out and, and peeks out over and affects your eyes in a very unique way and actually helps your eyes and your body wake up for the day. So I'm always, always arguing for 15 minutes of sunshine. I add to that, I take my shoes off and I put my feet on the earth. It's called grounding. I don't have a lot of data on its effectiveness, but I have to be honest with you, it feels really good. I don't know why, it just feels good. So I put my bare feet on the ground and I hang out with my dogs in the morning while I'm doing that. There's nothing like a little unconditional love in the morning to start off your day. If you do those three things every day, you're going to crush it. Hi, friends. Okay, so I'm a little bit embarrassed because I've been talking for so long about red light and near-infrared therapy, which is so, so important. However, I kind of left out something really important about light. So as you guys know, I've been talking about red light and near-infrared for so long. And at the same time, during the day, I was using a bright, sad light. So it's those white lights that help with waking you up, help with your circadian rhythm. They're used to combat mood issues and depression. So I have a really bright white one of those at my desk. A few things about that. I knew it helped wake me up and kept me stimulated, but I wasn't sure if it had any detrimental effects using it. And then two, I was also wondering if by just focusing on red and near-infrared light, was I somehow missing something in the full spectrum of light? Guess what? I was. And guess what? 
I found the solution. And guess what? I have a discount for you guys. So the founder of a company called Soulshine reached out to me and he was like, do you know about the importance of full spectrum light? And I was like, you know what? I've been wondering about this for quite a while. Please educate me. Oh my goodness. This man blew my mind. I talk a lot about the problems of blue light. That said, we evolved a natural full spectrum sunlight that our genes are programmed to respond to. And today we do not spend enough time in that light. A lot of us don't go outside and we're overexposed to blue light. It's a problem. And then to make things even more problematic, the common sad lights that I was talking about that are bright white, they actually do not contain the full spectrum light. They filter out certain wavelengths and they're high in blue light. So just like I thought, it was not doing my health many services. There is only one company I have found, or I guess that found me, that makes a full spectrum white light device. So the Soul Light Systems include the fullest spectrum of visible and invisible near-infrared light with traces of UV light. Yep, that's right, because you need all of that as well. Don't worry, it's not an exuberant amount that's going to cause a problem. It's just a tiny little dose that your body actually needs. You can use these lights to fix your circadian rhythm and properly stimulate your brain's suprachiasmatic nucleus, or SCN, in a way that it was supposed to be stimulated. It's kind of like the natural spectral diet. Because yes, you may be suffering from malillumination. Did you know that your entire bloodstream actually filters through your eyes in a relatively short amount of time? That's the only way your blood is exposed to the outside world. So when we expose our eyes to this light, it actually can have beneficial effects on our blood. That is crazy. It helps with skin, with mood. This is the light that I wasn't thinking about that we need. I love Soulshine's light therapy devices. I do use it in combination with my red and near-infrared light devices as well so that I can fully bathe my body in the best light that is so helpful for my sleep, for my stress, for my metabolism, for my immunity, for my health, so many things. They have so many different device options. They have one that I love that kind of looks like a juve and I sit it on my desk and it has options for the full spectrum light, which is that bright white light, as well as an near infrared option. So what I do is I do a session of the full spectrum light in the morning and then I run the near infrared to help counteract the negative blue light around me. They also have stands with bulbs that you can get. I've been using some of those on my plants. I am just so grateful that Ken at Soulshine found me because I was missing out on such a key aspect of light and I had no idea. And you can get 10% off at melanieavalon.com slash soulshine. That's S-O-L-S-H-I-N-E with the code Melanie Avalon. So melanieavalon.com slash soulshine, S-O-L-S-H-I-N-E with the code Melanie Avalon for 10% off. It's really helped my mood, my energy, my sleep, so many things. I think you guys will love it. So again, go to melanieavalon.com slash soulshine, S-O-L-S-H-I-N-E and use the coupon code Melanie Avalon to get 10% off site-wide. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. I love it. So listeners, don't wear the blue light blocking glasses in the morning, please. No, bad idea. In the evenings, sure. But in the mornings, nah, you don't need them. Maybe one last topic we can cover really quick from Energize. You mentioned how you do talk about intermittent fasting since so many of my listeners practice fasting. I've actually, so on the intermittent fasting podcast on so many episodes, because in the beginning, we just kind of like catch each other up, me and my co-host. I've been just like sprinkling in all these things I've been learning from your books. So intermittent fasting, what are your thoughts on it for the different chronotypes and body types? 
So I am a big, big fan of intermittent fasting. I've been doing it myself for about three years, on and off. I've definitely found that it gives me more energy. But one of the things that I discovered was that if I intermittent fast, I need to do it based on my chronotype, which was unique. You don't hear about many people talking about this, but I'm a wolf. And so I, re and just to be clear, I hate breakfast. I love breakfast food. Like it's my favorite food, but I'm just nauseous in the mornings. Like as, as most wolves are, we're just not morning people. I mean, I tell people all the time, the only thing I hate more than mornings are morning people. They're just too damn chipper. They're eating breakfast. They're having a good time. Like I'm not a fan of lions, just to be clear, but I can't eat breakfast in the morning time. So I started to realize that my intermittent fasting schedule was leading me later and later. And because I stay up later till midnight most nights, I could eat later and not have any disruption in my stomach, not get gastroesophageal reflux, things like that. So I would encourage people, if you learn what your chronotype is, then consider fasting on a chronotypical schedule. We had a question from a listener, and this was my theory about it. She started intermittent fasting, and she would have great energy during the day with a later eating window. But she found that when she opened her window earlier, that she got tired. And my theory about after reading your book about the chronotypes was maybe she was something like a bear where she naturally had an energy lull in the middle of the afternoon. But because she was fasting, when she would eat later, the fasting was like keeping her alert. But then when she would revert back to eating, you know, around that time, it kind of put her back into the um, like needing the nap mode. I don't know. So there's, so there's that, but there's also the fact that carbohydrates make you sleepy. So depending upon what she had for her late afternoon snack or lunch, which probably had some carbohydrates in it, remember complex carbohydrates, the easiest way to produce serotonin in the brain is to eat a Snickers you know, or a muffin. So when you go and eat a sandwich, that's actually what happens too. And so many people feel sleepy after lunch simply because of the content of their food. What I'm oftentimes telling people to do is you want to try to avoid that and avoid carbs, then do yourself a favor and um, have a salad with some protein, you know, and try to avoid as many carbs as you can. Yeah. Well, I love that. Well, listeners, you've got to get both of these books. I promise you they're life-changing. There's just so much in there. You talk about emotional energy, the role of guilt, which is, I feel so absolved of guilt with my sleeping schedule and being a dolphin. So I just really wanted to thank you for that. And um, actually in that line of gratitude, the last question I ask every single guest on this show, and it's just because I realize more and more each day how important mindset is. So what is something that you're grateful for? Wow. I'm grateful for a lot of things. I'm grateful for my family and their ability to deal with all of my craziness for sure. I'm grateful for my openness to new experience and trying new and different things. I'm also grateful for my men's group. I have a men's group that I meet with every single morning, and we do breath work and meditation together from 7.30 to about 8.15. There's like 30 of us from around the world, and we get on, and we do that every morning. And I'm grateful that I have the ability to, to be on things like podcasts and be able to educate people about sleep and, uh, and how to get a great night's sleep. So thank you for asking. That's a great question. I cannot thank you enough for your work. It's life-changing. Um, it's personally affected my life, and I know it's going to affect so many of my listeners. Oh, thank you. It makes my heart feel good. 
Because we actually got introduced, it was like through a friend, not even in the biohacking sphere. So super grateful for that. Grateful for everything that you're doing. Listeners, I'll put links in the show notes to the books. Are there any other links you would like to put out there? I would just tell people, if you want to know what your chronotype is, go to chronoquiz.com. And if you want to learn all about the new book, go to energizemyself.com and you'll, you can buy the book and there's a cool pre-order program. So Stacy and I are creating videos that you'll get before the book comes out. That'll teach you all of the science and you'll be able to be ahead of the game if you're so interested. But it's a great book. It's a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun writing it and I'm excited that it's going to be out in December. Awesome. I will put links to all of that in the show notes. And thank you again. This has been so fantastic. I would love to have you back on the show in the future. Maybe go through some more of these 30 pages. I'd be happy to do that. You know, one of the things we didn't get a chance to talk about, maybe we can do it next time, is there's a lot of like, you know, gizmos and gadgets and things out there that are not so great. There's some things that are really good. We can do that. We can talk about mattresses, pillows, you know, all of the equipment that people have out there because, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that I think are important for people. So let's do that. Let's get another one of these on the books. That will be great. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Melanie Avalon biohacking podcast. For more information, you can check out my book, What Win Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine, as well as my blog, MelanieAvalon.com. Feel free to contact me at podcast at MelanieAvalon.com. And always remember, you got this.